What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Matas from DNVR, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and co-host of this show from the Action Network. It's Matt Moore. Matt, happy Sunday evening to you. I actually prefer to be called uh, Woodwork Master Matt Moore. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> How's that going for you? So I, I've never done anything with wood ever. Like I am not a guy, like I don't change my own oil. I am not like a man's man, like, yeah. Oh, like writing and intellectualism and philosophy and basketball. And like, that's like what I know. Um, but I decided that that was not, I was not satisfied with that. So uh, after building my kid's playhouse, which was many, 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 many pieces of wood, I decided that <laughs> today I made myself, like a sleeve that goes over the arm of my armchair that is a cup holder because I've wanted cup holders forever. And so I got wood and I have a circular saw that I've been given as part of like a wedding gift set. This is incredible. So like I learned how to do, like I learned how to use a circular saw and a hole saw and clamps and the whole, and the whole thing today. And I made myself a like a sleeved cup holder and used it tonight and it was excellent. And I'm making, uh, I'm making a planner box next week. <laughs> Let me, honest question. How do you feel? Awesome. It's like, that's, yeah, it's great. Isn't it? I will admit. So here's one thing I will admit. I am maintaining a tether to Twitter in which every time that I log on, when I see important voices making an important point, or if there's a video that shows another extreme instance of police brutality or a piece of news that people need to be aware of, I am retweeting it. I am trying to amplify the voices that I think are most important to be heard. You're not running away from the news by doing this. You're, you're, this is just a, a thing. Right. But I'm also like, I don't need to be the one having these conversations on Twitter. Like mm. nobody wants to hear me talking about points per possession on transition defense right now. Well, sure. And, I, and so like, I'm trying to be responsible, but I need somewhere to put my time and I'm a lot mentally healthier when I'm doing that while not ignoring my responsibilities to like donate and be involved and be aware of stuff. And like, I'm trying to be as good of an ally as I can while also like, there are just times when I think that some folks need to shut up and I'm like, right. well, just probably needs to shut up right now. So I just went to the garage and I built a thing and I'm going to keep just building stuff. Yeah. You feel a lot better. It's a good outlet though. And, and, and like woodworking is, I'm not a craftsman by any means, but I do think it's like, there's something, there's something beautiful about it. It's a nice intersection of like art and hard work and, and science. <laughs> it all comes together in a, in a fun way. So congrats on the cup holders. This is, this is, this is peak stuff. Today's episode of the show. We kind of have a lot to get to because Friday, after sort of the news buzzer, um, a bunch of information came out and it, you know, it was reported that Kyrie Irving would be leading a summit of, of a, a rather large group of players who wanted to talk about just whether or not they wanted to play and, and not just wanted to, whether they felt like they should, what their responsibility was in all of this, whether it was safe, all of these different layers. This is at least the information as it was presented. And, you know, I think, it's interesting. First of all, Kyrie is the um, uh, vice president of the Players Association, so he has a sort of built-in role through all of this. Matt, I can already tell, has like a million notes. I'm going. I'm just going to give the overview, Matt, and then you can you you can itemize all of this one piece at a time. But he's the vice president of the Players Association, and you know he uh, so he has a role in all of this kind of built in. 
but it seemed like the team, the NBA, the players, everybody had kind of come to this agreement. It seemed like all the details of that agreement had been worked out, at least most of them. And it really sounds to me like maybe not all of those uh, details had been ironed out. In fact, not that many of them had. And maybe it's not just a few players that are unhappy or not even unhappy that are just questioning what their role is in all of this. It seems like it's actually a lot of them. That's the perspective I have, Matt. Am I, am I wrong in that? You're wrong ish. I think is okay. the way to describe it. You're wrong ish. Um, so like, let's, let's go all the way back to two weeks ago, Friday and say, or a week ago, Friday, when it was announced, like the NBA has agreed to these terms on this format with the players union, the players union statement says that they have agreed to continue negotiating. That was what the original right, yeah. was what we, and I will admit to being party to this, what we got twisted was it was like the and the reporters that were reporting this stuff made it very clear they were like look there's a lot of stuff we still got to iron out yeah but we thought that the vote was a bigger deal than it was the vote was the players were like we agreed to come back on x date we agreed right. to start games on on y date we agreed to play z regular season game by the way that date was t- is tomorrow i believe right the players are supposed to be back in town i believe on the 15th which would be monday Right. And I mean, it doesn't even really matter because like, if they're not there, it's not like anything's going to happen to them. It's like, that's true. (laughs) Voluntary. I mean, it's not voluntary, but they'll be fine. Um, So anyway, like they agreed to the format of the playoffs. They agreed to the schedule and that they were going to hold it in Orlando, like tentatively. That wasn't even agreed on. Just like the format was agreed on. And then everything else was negotiated and they were negotiating through these things. And somewhere between that Friday and last Friday, there became a sense from certain members of the MBPA executive committee that some members were too aggressively pursuing working with the league on this and were not concerned enough with the rank and file. Mm. Um, and that's a very easy place, I think, for a narrative to form, which is sure. Like, it's a narrative that I think in particular Kyrie Irving probably wants mm. to like usurp. Like Wojnarowski described him as a disruptor and that's probably accurate. Like he has always been a guy that likes to kind of throw a firecracker into things and see what happens. Like that's his whole thing with the flat earth thing, like not to compare these situations, but his whole thing was, I'm just asking questions. Like I'm just asking like you, your own research. Mm. He's very big on He's just like a hyper skeptic. And so I think he has some skepticism towards, Chris Paul, Michelle Roberts, and them working with the league as fluently and not looking out for the other players. However, I will say the problem is in order for there to be a real issue, you have to have those other players have to share those same concerns. The issue that we're kind of seeing is the players do have concerns, but they're very split amongst like five different major issue groups. Mm. And Players like Dwight Howard and Kyrie Irving that feel that now is not the time to play basketball because it is a distraction from the moment of social justice that they are pursuing. And on and like we'll talk about like how we feel about this, but I'll go ahead and get it out there. Like, never gonna tell Kyrie Irving he's wrong on that. Like, I don't right. care about Earth stuff. Like, this is bigger, and he has been active with Native American. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was. Yeah following the death of his grandfather. Like he has a history on this and you know, no matter what he thinks about the spherical shape of planet earth, it doesn't really change the fact that like, he's got a point here and he's this, like, he is more than entitled to his belief and opinions on this thing. But a key component is nobody has been saying 
the players cannot sit out. Like the MBPA was very upfront about that. Like we need our guys to be able mm. to feel like they're comfortable and they can stay home. Malcolm Brogdon mentioned that on a ringer interview um, in which he was like, with JJ Redick, where he was like, I talked to Chris Paul and he said, every man's going to make this own decision for himself. And whether it's for social justice or it's a concern out of safety for COVID-19, the players have all done that. And the league has also sent a memo to the, to the G the teams and the GMs and everybody to be like, you cannot pressure them to go. Like, they have to do this. Well, financially you can, though, right? I mean, that is a piece of it. If you don't play, that, that's part of it. If you don't participate, that's your right. You're not going to get, like, fined for it, but you will not receive your, your payment. Isn't this is, – am I wrong about this? We don't know. Okay. The Delete 8 are going to get paid anyway. Hmm. So that's the question is, like, you miss out on your playoff money. I think that's probably pretty much non-negotiable. It's yeah. like you in the playoffs, you miss out on the playoff bonus. Right. But – I, I, my opinion is going to be that if you go or don't go, everybody's getting paid the, the regular season games okay. because you can't make it to where somebody doesn't have to go and they don't go and they get paid and somebody has to go and they don't go and they don't get paid. Right. Like gotcha. consistency cannot be the case. And so my belief is like, that will not be a thing. Also, I just don't think that I don't believe that the NBA is in an instance here where they feel like they need to be drawing these lines. Like, I just don't think that they're like, we like now is definitely the time for us to set a hard line. At right. Right. Yeah, of course. Like they can, everybody's, everybody is walking very fine lines because there's so many moving parts. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on here. One question I have, Matt, why did Kyrie wait till, till now to re- make this phone call and to raise these issues? I mean, was there not, were there not opportunities before? I just feel like we've been, the NBA had been doing trying to figure this thing out for three months. So why why was it on Friday that that conversation happened? So I don't know for sure. I can here's what I I, I can say. Um, one, we need to be very clear about like kind of the dynamics of the call because the original documentation and like what was reported very clearly from Kyrie's side, if you can read these things at all, was like 200 players are expected. Well, it was 80, so mm. 120 of them including, I might add, several key members of the MBPA board uh, that the executive committee, some of whom agree with Irving, were not on the call. Hmm. Um, And, like, that's just, like, a weird thing that happened. And so Hmm. uh, that's part of it. I think that there was probably – this is where I think it probably gets into the details of – the original call was about the format and about what the structure of the games played was – and so on that, because if the report from Adrian Wojnarowski was that that vote was 28-0 from the team reps, including mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving. It was 28-0. Okay. So nobody opposed. So, and that was part of the thing was Woj's report positions it as if like he was asking all these insignificant questions and then turns around and goes supernova. There is, I have heard, and like, I don't know the details. All I've heard is that there is some belief that, that the questions that he asked were directed in such a way as to question that specific relationship between Paul, Michelle Roberts and let the end and the league. Like mm. he was asking those questions essentially to figure out whether or not he was comfortable with the MBPA's approach to this. Like gotcha. the, yeah. the higher up now, maybe there's something else was going on. Cause like I said, the, the, this is really complicated because some of these questions are about like the bubble questions are about safety. Right. Yeah. About COVID-19, about safety, about protocols. Personal freedom and personal choice and family. Right. 
and mental health is a big thing that's being thrown around because like the times had a, a report from a story about a boxer that was inside the bubble and the, the money quote was, I would not want to be in one for more than a few weeks. Mm. Um, and like, that's a big deal. The players are really worried about their mental health, uh, going, being in lockdown for that long. And that's why they're, that's why the Disney thing, the Disney employee thing set them all off and, and they were just like losing their minds over it. Um, because it's really important. Some, for some people, it's really important for them to be able to leave the bubble. And for others <laughs> of the same voting group, it's like, we can't leave the bubble. It's a bubble. Right. Right. So, this really, and this is all outside of the context of the social justice questions about protest, about this moment in black America. So like, and that's, and beyond all that, you also have players that are coming up for their rookie extensions this year that are like, I do not want to risk it because this situation is messed up. I haven't played for three months. I don't know what the injury situation is going to be like. We have a weird warm up schedule. I'm not in my routine. Like I don't want to risk going into a pandemic in which we don't know what the next season is going to be like and what right. the camp is going to be. I don't want to further hurt that by injuring myself in this tournament. Like all of these An things, understandable position. <laughs> like all of these things are going on concurrently, which is funny because if you talk to anybody inside the league and you ask, okay, so is this thing in trouble? Most everybody's like, no, I think we're probably still going to play. Yeah. Like I've heard anybody be like, no, I, I really think this thing might get held up. Now, nobody's willing to say like, no, everybody's going to play. And then right. like, game of chicken here. It's like Lou Williams has been very upfront about like, I don't think this is the time. Mm. And like Kyrie yeah. Irving Howard have been very upfront about, I don't think this is the time. But LeBron and others have been like, we're doing this. Right. Like we're not stopping. There's too much on the line here in too many ways. This is going to happen. But that becomes the case. Then the players are going to feel like those players will feel like they are obligated to no matter what the league says. And that's where it gets even trickier yeah. because you have the sense of like, you didn't have to go. I didn't have to go, but I did have to go. Mm. And like, that's where this stuff gets right. Really, that's why a lot of people I think want them. To I don't not- know how we're not going to arrive there though, Matt, to be honest. I mean, and, and this is the thing that's, that's difficult because we've talked about like, you know, players catching it and the likelihood of that happening or, you know, just something going awry. And if you don't have everybody sort of bought in, if you enter into this thing with, um, you know, trepidation or some play, some players do, as soon as things go sideways, then I think it becomes ugly. It becomes finger pointing. And I told you so's and this and this and that. And I think to me, that makes me nervous. It should, because like, look, both Alabama and the university of, of Houston have had multiple COVID-19 positive tests upon their players returning for, for voluntary workouts. Mm. Like that happened. Yeah. The discussion that you're seeing now, a lot of it is, this is not a question of, if these guys will, if somebody will test positive, it is when mm-hmm. somebody will test positive. Now, like, look, what if they got through it and somehow the bubble was maintained and they kept the Disney employees separate and everybody was responsible and the families and friends were responsible and everything was okay and, it, and they got through it, then awesome. But the likelihood is that somebody's going to test positive. And, that, and the minute that that happens... Like, that's a big question is, okay, if you make it voluntary, like, if okay, if you, not voluntary, if you make it to where you get to make that decision for yourself and you get to say, I'm going to go, but you go and then you're in a Western Conference semifinals matchup and on the other side, on the E, somebody tests positive, but they're in the same bubble as you. And that's when you're like, I'm out. Like, yeah. that's 
catastrophic for the league that a player is like, nope, I'm not going to continue. I'm going home. Right. Right. I worry. I worry it might happen. Do you feel right now with where we're at this last, you know, 72 hours, whatever it's been, do you feel like the larger sort of, um, I don't want to say threat. That's not the right word, but what could derail the season returning is more about COVID more about sort of the social unrest and the moment in time that we're in, or do you think it's just a combination of all of it, just all the pieces of it? With the understanding that I think it still happens. Um, I think the biggest threat to the season returning right now and, and threats of bad, like you said, it's a bad word. The biggest reason that it wouldn't happen. Um, this is a, my estimation of it. And it's subjective. It's, it's sure. subjective, but I would say it's probably civil unrest. I think it's probably lives matter and the importance of this movement. I just, I mean, a lot of it's like, I try and catch as much of it of, of the player's perspective. Cause that's like, okay, I'm a guy that covers the NBA. So I'm going to amplify these specific stories and I'm going to make sure that I read them and, and process them. The anguish is just like, it takes me a little bit. Like I don't just like process it. And I'm like, Oh, that sucks. And then move on. Uh, an assistant for the Hawks today was like had an incident and it's just like, he was out running and a guy slowed down behind him. Hmm. Like just all of these stories are just constantly going on. And the like you read Will Barton's Instagram and like it takes a lot to put a person like Will in that position mm. of that kind of of that mentality like it just does and so but like that's where the society and our choices have put him and so uh I think this stuff I don't believe that there's a lot of players I think there's some I don't believe there are a lot of players who are taking that issue lightly. I think that that's like the biggest thing that can sway you is that this is a moment in time that's greater. Um, the problem is just like the economics. Yeah. It's honestly, a lot of it's just like, if you tell a guy like this is going to cost you 5 million, he may literally just be like worth it. Don't yeah. care. Right. This is more important to me. Right. But if you tell a guy, this is going to collectively cost us $2 billion. Like this is going to cost players. Too. It's also just the uncertainty of the league in general. I mean, we're talking about both an economic sort of, um, you know, un there's so much economic uncertainty outside of the NBA. Just, just when we're talking about the, you know, yes. a, a, the potential of a global recession. So are you willing to take away that much revenue for the league and then say, Oh, during a recession, we'll put the pieces back together. I mean, there's a lot of things at play here. Um, that, that I don't think anybody really can wrap their entire head around. But let's take a break because I do want – look, this is a story that we're going to continue to talk about. I have a feeling we'll probably have three shows about this very topic this week because there's going to be um, revelations. There's going to be you know some twists and turns. I have a feeling LeBron James is going to talk tomorrow. I mean, he hasn't really um, – you know, he's been quiet over the weekend. I can't imagine he can remain quiet on this um, for too long. So we'll probably talk about this a lot. But when we come back, let's we'll we'll share our perspectives on this and sort of what we think and and how we're seeing it. We'll be right back. Back here on the Lockdown Nuggets podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Delicious protein bars that you can order, get delivered right to your door. And actually, they're doing an incredible promo right now on their website, builtbar.com. Everything 
is 50% off. 50% off all of their packages, everything, every every one of their flavors, every one of their bars. And, and best of all, all of their profits right now are going to organizations that support education, poverty, equality, and ending hate crime and racism. So if you were on the fence, you wanted to try them out, um, now you know that your money's going to a good cause. So go to builtbar.com. Um, all right, so Matt, where do you, what is your perspective on things right now? And let me just say this before each of us share it. This is such a difficult moment in time, I think, for everybody, and it should be. Everybody should be uncomfortable right now in having these, in my opinion, having these uncomfortable conversations. But one thing I think is important is to reserve the right to change your mind. People have to be comfortable being able to say, you know what? What I said on Monday, on Wednesday with new information and after talking to people, I have a different perspective. I feel like when I share my perspective, that very well may be the case. But right now, as things um, as things stand, what is sort of your perspective on all of these topics going on, the safety, um, the responsibility, all of, all of these things? So one of the things that I've always tried to pursue is accuracy, is I'm always looking to be the closest to the truth that I can get because so much of the NBA is morphed through various agents of narrative shaping. Like the leaks that yes. you the leaks that you read are purposely given by agents or players or coaches or teams or executives or league personnel in order to shape a narrative is that they want a viewpoint expressed. And like when I learned how prevalent that was in my time doing aggregation and as I started doing reporting, as my career went on, I started pursuing like what was the most accurate position. And this moment in time is specific on a bunch of levels, but one of them is that player empowerment has been simultaneously pursued with, I think the largest boost of the perception of players and their, if you had a collective Q rating for NBA players on social media, it would be very high. Everybody's like, I stand for this King and right. Uh, yeah him to get his money and like whatever he wants to do. And it's about his life and his choices and all of these things. And I think that those things are good, except for when they tend to ignore what I believe is like the basketball social contract, which is like the players get to make money and be stars and star athletes and go to all the awesome parties and have this awesome life because of the NBA, because of the fans that support them and because of the teams that employ them and have a structure, the teams get to have all this money and make all this money and not have to actually do real jobs and get to do all this because of the fans and because the players are so amazing. Like the players have a part in that too. Like there's this whole circle. Um, the reason I bring that up is what I'm trying to say is players much like the general populace, in your life, you know people that are really smart and really on top of things. And you know people that make weird decisions and are really selfish and oftentimes make bad decisions. Yeah. And you know people that are just in the middle, just trying to do the best that they can. You know all these things. And players are no different. Right. Like, I am in awe of Jalen Brown. I'm right. in yeah. awe kid. He is 23 years old. He is going to have a long, illustrious NBA career followed by an even better career afterwards in whatever he chooses to do. He's already started tech firms. He's already started like tech conferences at, at events. He's already leading in terms of like politics. He's already on the MVPA board. He drives 15 hours to Atlanta to be in his home to march for this thing that he believes in and he cares about. I'm in awe of that kid. 
And then uh, there are other players in the league that I know right now are like, yeah, but I want to go and like, I want to make money, but like, I don't want to have to stay in the hotel. Like I want to, and I want to leave because there's a wide range of people in the league. Right. Yeah. I will say this, like any player that says I don't want to play because black lives matter. All I'm going to be like is like, I a hundred percent support you. Like the league should not punish you in any regard. You should get every ounce of the regular season money owed to you. And you should never have any sort of, there should be no blowback on you for that decision. And I hope that you're able to accomplish the change that you are seeking in the world. And I want to know how I, as a white dude, can help you in that pursuit in whatever quiet, non-appropriating way that I possibly can. If a player says, my child has asthma, and even though the rate of incidents in children is low, I cannot get past the idea of my catching it because of my job and giving it to my child. Right. And I'm not willing to leave them at home. I got to be with my kids. I can't blame you. Like this is a pandemic. Like I, I can't blame you for that. I can't criticize you for that. Like I totally completely understand. Right. Um, if a player is like, and people also have to understand, like I think probably a lot of our listeners don't have kids. Right. If somebody told you the risk of your kid being, you know, you, you make this decision and your kid has a 1% chance of being risk. You say no, because 1% is not a big risk, but when it's your kid, it just, it, it, there's no amount of risk. So sometimes these things, it's easy for somebody on the outside to say, okay, whatever. But I, I understand that as a parent. And like, and, and at the same time, if a player, but like, I'm not on the side of where I feel a lot of people are, which is like, this just doesn't feel right. And we shouldn't be doing this. And this is so dangerous. And look at the Florida rates. And like, they just got to cancel. I'm like, look, the NBA is talking to epidemiologists every single day. I'm oh, yes. Oh, yes. The NBA has consulted the best people in the world at this. And yeah. they has more incentive for this to work than anyone they have I almost feel unsafe saying this because i don't want to perpetuate like a recklessness or anything much people but my perspective on that aspect of it is that the risks maybe are a little bit more overblown you know we see dr fauci even come out and say that he reviewed the plan and he thinks it looks very good and he would you know he supports it he approves it whatever i mean so i'm with you on that front but at the same time like i said it's easy for me to say i'm not going into the bubble right and so but that's the thing though is is I'm not on the side of like, we just need to cancel and they just need to cancel. And what about this and that and the other? I'm just like, I think the NBA, like, I think I have, I've battled a lot for the last uh, four years, just ballparking that about whether or not I'm, I have been too optimistic of power structures about whether or not I've been too optimistic of people. Like I, I've been, I was cynical in my life for a good like since I became of like intellectual awareness, I was hyper cynical for like 15 years. And then I started to kind of revert the other way. And I gained a real sense of optimism uh, right in time for now, which is not <laughs> mystic. Um, but like, I, I just, I tend to lean that way. So I, I'm trying to balance it out with a healthy dose of skepticism. But I also like part of it is I'm also skeptical towards inherent skepticism. Like, mm, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's good. I'm literally like, okay, why? It's like, because that's just not what happens. And like, they just yeah, care yeah. about, it's like, well, if they care about the money, then they also care about their liability in a legal con- dispute. And mm-hmm. this is, the NBA is run by lawyers. And if the NBA is run by lawyers, they're going to make sure in every regard that they are not going to be liable for a, a multi-hundred million dollar suit for right. negligence. Right. Uh, and I say all that to say that if a player is like, I get to compete for a championship maybe once in my career. This may be my only chance. Yeah. Title. Or 
you know, I love this team and I want to see what we can do. Like I got full respect for that too. Right. I said the other day on Twitter that a lot of this is about the, the, the call with Kyrie and all those guys was like, this is player business. I do really feel that way. Like, I think there's a social contract in which players and what they do is like worth it for us to discuss. Like I'm part of the apparatus that discusses these things. I'm part of the media structure, mostly white that discusses these issues. And there are times when I think that that's, that there's a place for that, but like, this is literally like, are we safe? And this is literally, is this the right thing for us to do as black Americans? Yeah. I'm never going to find myself in a position where I'm like, no, you need to do this. My only thing has been, you have to be aware of the consequences of your actions. And if you, if you do go, maybe you are costing yourself a chance to make a greater impact in pursuit of ending police brutality. Right. That's a horrible thing to think about. Like you would never know it, but like maybe that's the case and that's horrible. On the other end of it, if they do not play, if this thing goes down, which I don't think it will again, but if it goes down, the owners are opting out. Right. Oh, no doubt about it. Okay. Let's talk about that. There's going to be a, they are going to have no leverage in a global pandemic against owners that have yep. lost millions of dollars not just in the nba but in their private businesses as well right Tell of course yeah that his entire industry collapsed the nba will not be the same it would be almost unrecognizably different i don't know if that sounds incendiary but i really believe it if it, if it were to be like a, we're not doing this we're throwing this off i think all of those things the cba being ripped up and not, when i say ripped up it's not oh like a like retaliation it's a this thing that we planned and we agreed upon is no longer viable. We have to start over, which means we have to renegotiate. And to your point, you're talking about players who not only are losing a little bit of money, they're losing a lot of money and we're restarting everything during a pandemic, during an election, during every, I mean, I don't know things are going to get, you know, the world is going to become more calm over the next six months or, or, or what have you. So the, the ramifications of this, I, I really don't think can be overstated. I, well, I I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and go down the doomsday route. Cause like sure. I do this, if they don't play the the players will have no choice, but to pursue a lockout. Like right. they'll, they'll have no choice. So we're like, talking about an eight month layoff between the next season starting and a lockout. I mean, it's just my 2021. We're like, talking about people's careers. <laughs> I mean, who knows what we, what we come back to. Yeah. I mean, like at that point though, if you lose, if you lose 18 months of basketball and the amount of money, like people have said, like there may not be an NBA to come back to. And everybody's like, that's ridiculous. Like that's too much. And I'm like, it is for some teams, but I will guarantee you if basketball goes away for 18 months during a pandemic, there will absolutely be teams that just shut right. Yep. Yep. That's happened in the past in leagues. Like it's not happened in the modern era because of how much money there is to be made and how stable it is in TV and like the growth of sports. But like, if we are at that point, we're going, and then the, the thing there, um, cause like I have to be transparent about this is like, is like, are you concerned about like, is part of your fear about that because of your livelihood? Absolutely. Like, you don't think I'm concerned about what happens to the NBA media structure? We just lost about 40% of our workforce between. Oh, 100%. We, and honestly, this is a part of our own bias. I mean, same with me. We launched a bar. We have a bar. How long can we hold on to that if we don't have sports to talk about? I mean, there's all of these things, and it's both a bias, but it's also 
not an unintended consequence. It's just that none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. The entire NBA ecosystem, what you're talking about, that that um, uh, social contract between players and fans, and this and that, the media, and this is that. It, it's an entire ecosystem that is dependent and reliant on the on that. And if it goes away, and and you go into this turmoil. The media won't be the same. The league won't be the same. The players won't be the same. There'll be it'll it, it will it'll be a lot bigger maybe than what I think people realize. Let's take a break though. When we come back, let's talk about the let's wrap this up by talking about the Nuggets and Skinny Jokic. We can I, I, we didn't even get a chance to celebrate Skinny Jokic together, Matt. So we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll kind of put a little Nuggets perspective on this. Back here on the Locked On Nuggets podcast with my colleague Matt Moore. I'm Adam Mades. We're presented by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com. You get 50% off your order right now. And that other 50% that you pay, that's all going to charity. Really cool thing. Great chance for you to uh, check out some really delicious, I'm going to call them candy bars, even though they're protein bars. Um, they taste like candy bars. Matt, so it, it, we have, we both enjoy Jokic. We butted heads about him. We've, we've had different perspectives about him. Our, our perspectives on him have weaved in and out enough times we've agreed and disagreed to this or that. But we both, I think, really genuinely appreciate him. We enjoy watching him play. We enjoy watching his career. When I saw him on, I think it was last Wednesday, come back looking like a very svelte, you know, Serbian Anthony Davis or, or young Phil Jackson or maybe even somebody even said he looks like Kevin Durant. He looks skinnier than I had ever seen and just looked like incredible shape. All of the rumors we had heard from Tim Conley were, were true, from Jamal Murray were true. He, unlike 99% of people, spent quarantine getting in great shape and, and melting the pounds away. I guess my first question, what did you think when you saw him? Um, my first question is I'm wondering if I lost more weight than he did. I had to figure, like, I actually need a number. Ooh. Cause I have to be able to get a figure out if I've lost more weight than he has. Um, are you wearing a bomber? Do I have a bomber jacket? Do you have the skinny jeans? I, I apparently the phrase is glow up. Is <laughs> glow up. There you go. People have described I, my glow up has not. Glow up, so <laughs> not a thing. Um, my first thought actually was, boy, there's going to be a lot of disappointed people on the internet that was hoping he'd show up fat. Like there was just, yeah, of course, so much hope for a fat Jokic, and, and he just deprived them of that. Um, my second thought was, uh, like, this is great. This is awesome. He's going to like, this is going to make him better in a lot of key ways. Um, my third thought was probably going to have to add some weight just because he's going to get like, if he gets hit, he's going to get knocked around. Um, but he knows that. And like, that's not going to be, I don't think it'll be a problem for him to gain weight. Um, my fourth thing is just like, look, I, you probably have some idea and you may not be able to share. I have asked and asked, like, what did you guys do? Like, how did you, how did you, and all I've ever heard is like, they got really creative. That's all I heard. Like just coy little smiles and we got really creative winky yeah. face text. And I'm just like, I hate you. Like, I really want to know how they pulled this off. Well, let me, I'm going to push back on this in one way. And it's not, I don't want to take away from the Denver Nuggets organization or Felipe. I brought the, the Nuggets, um, uh, strength and conditioning coach. Like, they, there's a lot of people they think that uh, that has helped him here. To me, the story is Jokic has always been, and I shouldn't say always been. Over the last several years, he's been more motivated than what people think. He's not. There's this perception of him that he's this slug and this lazy dude, and he doesn't. There's some things to that. He's carefree. He has a different. He's not a Mamba mentality guy. 
but we saw that he was a that he was driven. You know, I personally have know one of his brothers that's very into fitness and and into working out into like just you know, um, not really bodybuilding, but you know, just 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 fitness. I'm not surprised. We saw this coming. He was in great shape on March 11th when the season ended. He was looking as felt as we had ever seen him. So I, I, I'm impressed by it. I thought he looked incredible. I think we might get the best Jokic ever, but I just wasn't surprised by it. The thing I'm wondering, Matt, is are we going to get to see it? I mean, we just talked about a doomsday scenario, and now I'm worried that maybe some of this was for naught. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's I think it's a concern. I will say, like, to wrap up the conversation from previous, there just hasn't like there's just been a lot of. Um, I haven't talked to anybody, anybody that's like there that this may not work. Like mm. the, there's concerns. People have concerns and ideas and like guys, like some guys are like, we need to lock down the bubble. And some guys are like, I don't want to be locked down in the bubble. I want to be able to go out. And so like all of these are things are things that they're going to have to figure out together. There has not been a, we are not going to play. Um, I think I think there's probably a little bit of, I think that I think people like Lou Williams and Kyrie and Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley, apparently like do wish that there was more of that sentiment, but um, there, there, there definitely is one thing that's been kind of lobbied is like, Oh, well it's the superstars. And it's like, look, the super, the reason the superstars are very adamant about playing is not because of the money that they are making. And if you're like confused by that, it's like, look, they already made it. Like, those guys get paid $35 million a year. They already made $35 million this year. They're right. fine. All right. Yeah. It's their realization of like, they, most of those guys, they have multiple businesses. So they are involved in these conversations and they are also brought in at higher levels and understand like the depth of the asteroid that will mm. hit mm. if they don't play. Like that's what hits basketball is an asteroid. And that's what they got to do. Again, that's what they got to do. And I don't blame them for it. But that's why, why I think the superstars feel differently about this issue. Um, but through that context, like, that's why I do. And, like, look, I just think LeBron's willing to play. He's got three titles. And you could say, like, yeah, but he's chasing Jordan or whatever. He's got three titles. He's considered the second best player of all time by most people. Like, he could miss this. It's not going to kill him. Like, it's not going to miss him. It's not going to, like, it, it, it's not going to ruin his, his legacy. Right. Um, but he wants to go. And like, I think that that is going to say something like, I think yeah. there's been a very fair point made by Taylor Rooks of, of Turner about um, it's the message, not the messenger when it comes to Kyrie. But I do think that the messenger winds up impacting if you're on the fence about something, who the messenger is. Matters. Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about it. Like that may not be, and like if you're like that's not fair to Kyrie, okay. But then Kyrie, like some of this is is our our choices Kyrie made. Now there are players that probably will follow Kyrie because they do believe in like the way that he approaches things. Like there's a lot of players I think that buy into his idea of hyper skepticism. Like I think right. there's a lot of players like that. You and I know, of course. Of, so like that will be persuasive to some, but I don't think it'll be persuasive to enough. So I do think we'll wind up seeing Joker. However. I don't know. I'll, I, you, I want to be very clear on this. I have not talked to any Nuggets players. I do not have inside info. This is speculative. I would imagine we will not see the entire Nuggets roster. 
when play resumes in Orlando. You think somebody will sit it out? I think at least one person will sit it out, if not. Is, is this because there's so many players that are up for contract? I mean, the Nuggets have like eight players that could become free agents this summer. I think it's because um, for me, it's about it's I for me, it's about where I think the movement for Black Lives Matter will be in a month. Okay. Um, and for me, I just like I think these like the coverage of the protests has definitely dimmed down, but they're continuing. And as much as it's insane to me, um, we keep having video recorded incidents like Atlanta just happened. Right. Like it just happened. Like Brianna Taylor, they passed a law against what the police did and they're still having been charges filed. Like this stuff is not going away. I'm not saying it won't be gone in a month because at this point with where 2020 is at, I'm expecting to be talking with on the phone with you on this podcast, talking about like, can the players play when insectoid mutant cockroaches <laughs> are battling in Texas? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know what's next. I do not. I don't to, I don't want to know what's next. I'm not excited for what's next, but I do think that eventually, like I think there will be play and I think that we'll see, we will see skinny Jokic. Um, but I don't think that we'll see the entire nuggets. Oh. Some time frames for this. So teams, I think on the 15th, everybody is supposed to be back. Jokic was going of course to, um, to Belgrade to, to see off his former coach, Dayan Milojevic. And I think also just to reset the batteries. I mean, you have to imagine a lot of these guys were able to go home and be around family and be around comforts. Jokic was not, he was here in Denver for this entire quarantine. Um, so it was just a chance for him imagining and envisioning himself sort of being locked inside this Disney world bubble for up to three months. And it was a chance for him to just recharge the battery. So he'll be back. And then there's going to start being little camps. So, I mean, assuming everything starts moving forward, we'll start hearing some stories. We'll probably start interviewing players and talking to front office personnel and coaching staffs. And then on the ninth, they head to Orlando. And at that point they're locked in. Um, they're locked into it all. That's that's sort of where we are now. Again, I have a feeling we'll be back here in 48 hours talking about something new because this is a rapidly developing situation. But is there anything else you want to say about just the Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets, and where they're at right now? I would like to know what you want to think. I've talked a lot in this episode because, like, I've been just well. You have a lot of info. I've been in the thick of it, but like, I want to know like what you think about various things. It's it's really really tough. Um. I, I feel like we are in a, uh, I feel like this moment of time is not going to be a thing that, that, that moves on. I, do, I, I think that we are in a, in a an opportunity and I, and I'm, this is me being the eternal optimist because it, it does nothing right now feels like an opportunity. Opportunity is a very positive word, but I think we are in an opportunity now for a, a, a shift, a giant shift in the way people view race relations in the United States. And and so I'm very sympathetic to the idea of I don't want to come here and say I don't want my bar to go away. I don't want my company to fold. And I don't want people to lose jobs because, quite frankly, when we talk about the civil rights era, we don't talk about the people whose jobs changed. We don't talk about, oh, so-and-so had a lot going for them at that moment in time and they lost it all because of civil unrest. We talk about that was a necessary moment in time to move past where we were and to, and to build a brighter future. And I feel like we might be in that moment. Now, that being said, 
I don't know that stopping sports is the right answer. One of the things that's happening right now is that we're stacking quarantine on top of an already sort of, you know, an election year and tensions and everything else. And then you put this on top of it. And I think some of what's happening is, you know, we talk about people, people talk about distractions, you know, oh, basketball, come back. It'll just be a distraction from what's going on in the conversations we need to have. That very well might be the case. But I also think sports are important in a society through good and bad. And so there's part of me that thinks <laughs> there's a lot of, there's just a sort of a lot of tension and, and there's something good that I think can come from that. Now, is that my brain telling me this because it's what I want to believe? I don't know. And that's why I'm just like, I don't know that Kyrie's the messenger. I don't know that I'm the messenger for this. It really is an opportunity to maybe start these dialogues, but to sit back and listen. But to me, I don't think there's a straight line to they shouldn't play because that will make things better. That'll push the conversation where it needs to go. I don't know that that's a, I don't, I don't know that those dots connect. See, for me, I think it's a lot of, uh, I don't even think of it from those terms because if those men commit themselves to the cause and they are able to look themselves in the mirror and say that they did what they needed to, for their people, for their spirit, for their families, for their, their brothers and their sons and their fathers and their sisters and their daughters and their mothers, they did what they needed to do, then that to me is like what's way more important than if a tangible result is caused. That's the issue though, is like, if there's not a tangible result that you're pursuing, then the struggle is endless because of how progress in the country has always kind of gone. Um, but that's like where my mind goes. It was like, I, I want them to feel, I want them to feel that they, their souls are at peace with whatever decision that they make. However, I am uh, ignoring reality. If I don't also mention we've seen unprecedented spikes in Florida, we are seeing unprecedented spikes in Arizona we are seeing unprecedented spikes in Texas. And the reality is, is the more of the country opens, like part of it is we can have the debate about freedom and masks and way of life and acceptable, all of this yeah. stuff. But the, what comes with the opening of things is travel. And if more places are having cases and more people are traveling, then other places will start to have those increases as well. Yeah. And that means that, this risk factor is going to go up for everyone in all of these instances. And we've proven to have a very low tolerance for what this disease has asked of us. Right. No, it's so true. Yeah. And so I don't know what the next, like I was hopeful that by June we would have a sense of what the land was going to be good or bad. If it was like, Oh, nope, this is, things are going to be terrible for the next six months. And then because of all, because, because of how terrible that's going to be, it's going to be even worse after that. Right. And instead we're in a very nebulous place where I don't know where we're going to be a month from now. And from what I read and understand, most of the experts don't either that we right. do know, like, look, we're here in Colorado. I checked the cases today. Hospitalization rates have remained steady around a hundred, which is low and way flatter than when the curve was at its highest. Like the, the curve has stayed low for us, knock on wood so far. Um, and it's just different everywhere you go. 
And so I don't know how this go, but like, look, I will say it is impossible for the NBA to get away from the questions when Florida is undergoing the spike that it is. If you want to say like, you know, if we're going to talk about protests and there are people that talk about protests through the context of, is this, is this safe through COVID? Well, you know, going to the bubble in Orlando may not be safer right. going on there. And so like, this is a mess. Everything is a mess. Um, it could and- be, here's one thing though. And again, I, I keep using, I keep using this word opportunity and, and I'm not trying to say it naively, but Look, I, there's a lot of data that points towards if you wear a mask, you can greatly reduce it. There's things you can do as a person that greatly reduce it. And we've seen, fortunately, here in Colorado so far, we haven't seen that second spike that a lot of these other places are seeing. I don't know if that's because of mask use or this or that or what it is. But there is an opportunity that if the NBA does pull this off, if they create this set of guidelines and they have this and it goes without a hitch, it's in a phenomenal da- data point to say, look, this thing is really dangerous. But if you take certain precautions, we actually can get past this. There's not about, you know, rights being infringed upon. This isn't about, oh, you're being oppressed because you have to wear a mask when you go get your haircut. It's if we do these things, we can have our lives 90% back to normal. And that's why this is another opportunity for, even for that to say we can control this, at least in some capacity, if we all sort of buy into the same set of principles and rules. Yes, but what about what I want? Is- well, all right. Thanks, everybody. I tried to leave this on a positive note, man, and you just, you're not having it. You're crazy not is- having it today. But here's what's crazy is, like, my mind is pretty, like, man, everything's messed up, but I'm also just like, yeah, we're probably going to have basketball. Like, we're probably- <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We're going to have a planet in a year, but we're probably. We're probably- oh, jeez, man. You, take, you always take it even further and further. We'll see. We'll see. Guys, um, thanks for tuning in. This is going to be a busy week. You're going to obviously you're going to want to be following Matt Moore uh, online at HP Basketball. He's always got uh, a, a lot of great insight and, and great information. It's going to be an evolving situation throughout the week, and we'll be here to uh, to provide updates. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everybody next time. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.